supply chains have been hampered this past year. Starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know what's what's the latest on CE? The good news is the majority of the challenges that are addressable, they're easing a little bit. The short-term impact and outlook for the, the industry is the inventory is going to be tight really until the end of July. But the good news is that when we return to the holidays and you know the real drive times of the year, we should between you know between 90 and 100% allocation availability. So it's going to be difficult for the next few months, but it's going to get better by the end of this year. Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. It's been a while since we checked in with the consumer electronics industry and uh, the CE market in general here at, on the Independent Thinking Podcast. So uh, what better time than now to have our VP of CE, Mr. Lee McDonald, on the podcast to talk about all kinds of stuff. And um, if you've been following the CE space and CE retail in particular, you know that uh, this channel has been hampered by a lot of supply chain issues, which uh, may ring a bell, you know, happening obviously across every in industry that uh, Nationwide Marketing Group touches right now. But CE in particular, um, you know, a lot of the, the challenges can be looked at and, and focused in on in the chipset market, the uh, semiconductor space, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, the, the shortage there that's resulting in a lot of products across so many different categories that all relate back to tech uh, you know, having issues getting supply of these chips to build their product. And, and it goes in everything from automobiles to um, some appliances, you know, smart appliances, even some microwaves, and uh, down to, you know, video game consoles and laptops, computers, headphones. I mean, semiconductors are in everything. Um, so we, we talk about all of that, and, um, you know, Lee hits on the things he's seeing, what he's hearing from manufacturers and brands, and uh, the news he's been following and, and what the outlook is there, um, you know, for chips and when when things could get better and uh, you know what what the, uh, the the supply chain will end up looking like by the back half of the year. But also, you know, a lot of other things to talk about as as well with Lee. You know, the, about this past year and a lot of great stuff, a lot of great um, things he's hearing from members and from brands and just a lot to share. So uh, always nice to get an update from our merchants on on their specific categories and. So let's go ahead and dive into this independent thinking podcast with Lee. All right, we are back on the independent thinking podcast. And uh, I guess you, you know it's going to be a fun or at least somewhat serious podcast when I have a shirt on with more than three buttons. So hey. Lee... You're welcome, I guess. Can I say you're welcome? Is that too I, I appreciate you, Rob. I appreciate you. <laughs> Mr. Lee McDonald, our, our VP of Consumer Electronics here at Nationwide Marketing Group. And uh, I, I, we all know, I, I got that soft spot in my heart for CE. So I, I, I want to, I, that's why I dress up because I, this is, don't tell the other merchants, maybe my, uh, I, my favorite category to talk about for one reason or another. So, and well, I know I, you too. I'll keep your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> you and all of our dozens of listeners, uh, you know, here for the podcast. And maybe I'm being, even being generous there. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how far spread it gets. But no, Mr. McDonald, I uh, appreciate you taking the time. And we got some a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Uh, it's been a while since we caught up. So, um, you know, plenty has happened in the world since the last time we talked about CE on the Independent Thinking Podcast. But 
uh, you know, let, let's kind of, we're going to dive in on the deep end. If, if you don't mind, um, you know, I, yeah. I know Might as well, <laughs> we we've talked to, uh, you know, you hear from all the other merchants, even, you know, people covering, uh, the retail industry supply chains have been hampered this past year. Um, you know, for a number of reasons and, and, you know, we could get it. Obviously the, the pandemic is still happening and, um, you know, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know, what's, what's the latest on CE? How are things in your category right now? And, uh, what's sort of the outlook for you guys? Yeah, you certainly hit the nail on the head. It is, it is a challenging time and it's been a challenging time. And it seems like there's just this compounding and escalating set of factors that continue to drive supply chain shortages. You know, when we started, it was truly just a spike in demand, you know, and under, you know, you can't forecast for what happened during the pandemic. And we saw that. So it was a spike in demand, there was a shortage of containers. Um, and then as the, as the pandemic progressed and, and people started spending more money with stimulus checks, um, then it was a shortage in containers, an increase in container prices. Um, and then some really interesting things started happening that you really couldn't predict. You, know, you can kind of predict and forecast supply chain allocation and container shipping co costs, but there were you know, glass foundries in Japan that had power outages. And uh, when that glass cools in those foundries, it freezes, not freezes, but it cools and ruins the foundry. And so that, that has cascading effects to the supply chain and you know, silicon prices and all kinds of different things. So you know, where we're at today is different in the set of factors that are causing um, shortages in the, in the industry. The good news is the majority of the challenges that are addressable um, manufacturing shortages, panel chipsets, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, those, those are coming to an end. And I don't want to say an end, um, they're, they're easing a little bit. So the, the, the short-term impact and outlook for the, the industry is the inventory is going to be tight. It's going to be really tight. I would expect 20 to maybe 50% fill rates for, for members and just kind of across the board uh, in the industry really until the end of July. And then August, I see things picking up a little bit, you know, maybe 70 to 90%. But the good news is that when we return to the holidays, when we return to prime time and, you know, the real drive times of the year, we should between, you know, between 90 and 100% allocation availability. So it's going to be difficult for the next few months, but it's going to get better by the end of this year. Well, you, you mentioned it. I mean, it's crazy. So many compounding factors, um, you know, that don't necessarily relate to the pandemic. It feels like the pandemic kind of overlies everything, but sure. like it's, it's deep freezes down in Texas that I know also had an impact on the CE supply and, um, supply shortages elsewhere. You, you mentioned the chipsets and where I'm, where we're going next. So, you know, if anyone that's covered the CE space or even followed sort of uh, loosely over the last mo 12 months, you know that there's been this massive chipset shortage that, um, you know, has impacted everything from automobiles to microwaves to obviously computers. And anyone trying to get their hands on a PS5 knows that it's impossible because not only is demand high, but they don't have the chips to make them. Uh, so, what, uh, you know, and, and then recently, if anyone's been on our NMG blog, you know that we, we recently detailed the, the fact that Cisco's CEO mentions that, you know, there was actually a massive underestimation for how demand was going to go during the pandemic. A lot of, you know, tech brands thought that it was going to dive and it, it did not dive. So, you know, they lowered their forecast, which meant lower chip orders and all sorts of stuff. So I know there's a lot of things going on in the world of chips and semiconductors. So, 
you know, yeah. what's the latest that you're hearing from from that end and and its impact on this, you know, the supply chain and the CE space in general? Yeah, no, you, you brought up a good point. It was there was definitely a, a period where we didn't understand the forecast and, and the chipset manufacturers didn't understand the forecast. Part of the challenge is there's there's not that many really, really big chipset manufacturers, and they're not very widely distributed, but either based on core competencies or geography. TSMC, which is really the largest chipset producer in the world, um, is is you know the source of the you know majority of where consumers get their their devices from, whether they know it or not. So they make these you know we won't get into the technical side, but they make these really small either called IO processors or IO chipsets, and they fabricate, you know, about 80% of the entire world's allocation. And like you said, it, it's an everything. I mean, these are very base level components that are in PS5s, they're in your car, they're in your phone, they're in your video cards and your computers. Essentially everything that consumers were going out and buying, you know, a truckload during COVID is, is made with these chipsets. So you have massive demand. And then you've got, you know, challenges with manufacturing. So you've got forecasting and all the challenges that go with their shipping containers and everything else. But then now what you have going on is some ecological challenges that they're having producing chipsets. It's crazy to think about, but the TSMC actually uses 160,000 metric tons of water a day to make chipsets. And you're like, well, why did they use water to make chipsets? It's because it's used to clean a lot of the components. You have to water blast away, you know, imperfections, yeah. impurities. They use it to cool a lot of their components there. Um, and then, so you think about, okay, that's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. it's, almost, it's hard to like wrap your brain around how much that is. Um, but they also have just come off of uh, a year where the first time in almost a decade, they haven't had any typhoons and, you know, hurricanes for us Westerners. Uh, and that's unprecedented. They're also in the middle of a hundred year drought. So, you know, their government is looking at, okay, we have to supply water to people before we can start making consumer durables. Uh, so that's, that's complicating too. And, you know, that is, that is something that, again, I mentioned there's, there's things you can control for, and then there's things that are really out of your control. So the supply chain issues are largely being addressed. And we know that there's a, you know, a, an end to those coming. It's the, it's the other things, glass foundries freezing and breaking down and, you know, ecological disasters in other parts of the, the world that are going to be really the wild card for the year. Unreal. Um, and we know that, you know, as, as things progress, it, the, we say that there's light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like it, but not only are, you know, we're getting to the other side of this where things are getting better, but also we saw that a couple of those chipset makers, you know, they're looking to invest locally as well and bring those manufacturing plans back to the U.S. to, to help ease that. So, cause I know, you know, semiconductors were made over here. They were introduced in the U.S., but since I, I think you can go back to the the '90s, we were the world's largest supplier over here. But obviously, that's for reasons you know that we don't need to get into the yeah, the way, Yeah, right. It could be a whole different conversation. But those uh, those numbers have greatly shifted offshores, and um, you know, now it's I think like eighty five percent of the chipsets come from overseas. So looking to bring some of that home. I know there's a lot of investment going on locally and uh, back domestically, I should say, uh, to, to bring that manufacturing back. So there, there's movement and progress being made to sort of ease that demand over here as well. So lots yeah. of uh, lots of factors to consider, but you know yeah. we're getting there. Um, and if there's ever a sign that things are getting back to normal in CE, it's the fact, you know, we're talking here the week that it was announced, CES 
is going back in person. So yes. there's at least that to look forward to. I, I, I got to ask, you know, it's not in our uh, approved questions that I had sent through your whole team and uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, but no, I want to ask it anyway is what, what are your thoughts on CES going back in person? Are you excited to, to get back to Vegas? Uh, I am excited to get back and see our members and see our vendor partners. Um, whether that's at CES or prime time really doesn't matter to me. Um, as long as we can do CES safely, um, I'm really curious to see what what that looks like. You know, what is the CTA and C CES and the Las Vegas um, Tourism Council? What are they doing to maintain the safety of that event? What's it going to look like? I'm I'm fascinated by it. Like the whole, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, putting factories in the U.S. What is that going to do to the supply chain long term in this industry? I look at you know, tourism and these large events that happen in Las Vegas and other places around primetime being one of those, you know, it's very interesting to watch how that, that side of the business evolves. So I'm really excited. I like, I love CES. I obviously wouldn't be doing this job unless I was a little bit crazy and love that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I would not say I'm looking forward to it. I want to see exactly how they plan to keep everybody safe and, and bring us back together. But I'll, I'll be there. I'll tell you yeah, that if, if we can do it safely, I'll be there. It'll be the biggest test for sure. We know it's, you know, largest event in the, uh, the, the country globally, uh, you know, it rivals some. So uh, feels like that just uh, getting back to normal is, is cool for sure. So, you know, despite all these challenges that we've talked about um, what, what's the, what's, what's going on right now in your business? How is the CE business performing? You know, it's strong despite all the challenges that we talked about, um, the business is up year over year. So depending on, you know, where you're at in the country and, and um, what week it is, uh, some, some retailers are up, some, some are down, and it really just comes down to who can ship product. Um, you know, the industry as a whole is up around 7% right now year to date, uh, which we really haven't hit the year over year comps from when um, the bottom fell out of business. You know, if you think about what was happening a year ago, um, you know, we were really just starting to enter our national lockdowns. Yeah. Um, consumers were very frightened and you saw that kind of in the market. You saw a market dip. Um, we saw it in our industries, in our core competencies, furniture, vending, consumer electronics and appliances. There was, there was a few months where there was really, really low and depressed sales. We haven't hit those months yet. Um, so I imagine when we hit those months, our cops are going to go way up. But what's really important to remember is that our manufacturing partners shipped somewhere, you know, somewhere up 50% in units year over year. Wow. I mean, when this happened, they didn't sit on the sidelines and go, sorry, you're on your own. They, they ramped up. I mean, some of our manufacturer partners um, have been producing goods 24 hours a day, seven days a week since essentially June of last year. So even though it's difficult to find product and we don't have the inventory we want to, that's more of a function of demand. Yeah. Um, and just some other supply chain and ecological challenges we've got. So the business is incredibly healthy. And I would and I would guess, and my forecast is that we will remain that level of demand and that level of health, at least in the back half of this year. That's awesome. Uh, awesome to hear, obviously, you know, some good news for, for this business, considering the year they're coming off of. And uh, also good to hear, you know, you mentioned the things that some of the vendors are doing to, you know, work through those issues. Um, you know, a nice follow-up to that, you know, what, from the nationwide side, what is, what is the group doing uh, from as far as those inventory challenges are concerned to help members get access to that product and, you know, help improve their share in this space? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why we're here, right? That's the whole point of why yeah. we exist. So we're, we've done a lot of things and I appreciate the question. Um, 
you know, I think back to primetime, which was only 45 days ago. It's weird. We're kind of in this, we just came out of primetime. We're going to ready to go back to another one, but it's really exciting because it's in person. So we'll talk about that later. But, you know, what we did coming into primetime is we saw the impending challenges through the middle of the year. We knew that there was going to be a little bit of a short-term inventory. We knew there was going to be, you know, um, a challenge kind of in this middle middle phase of the year and then come back you know end of the year will be okay so we went into prime time with over 30 million dollars of tv inventory that was exclusively for our members and that's you know one of the things that i've been talking to the membership about a lot i've talked to you with it about it i talked to you know an rc merchandising session at prime time is our members really 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 need to get hyper focused on how they buy product this year and they can't buy it just from one source they have to have multiple sources that's one of the main value points of the group is we don't force you to buy through one warehouse uh, in order to get the show specials and shows programmed we work with a network of seven incredible distribution partners who are willing to hold inventory aside for us who are willing to you know give 120 days credit terms which is what we had at prime time in order to help members secure inventory not have to worry about you know paying for it today but they can protect their business. So we've got a number of members that have bought inventory, you know, and they're not where they want to be, but they're, they have sufficient product to drive, you know, year over year comps through July. So we did that for prime time. And right now, as you can imagine, um, everybody who's anybody is buying every piece of, it, of TV. So we've got, you know, a lot of our distribution partners work with some national retailers, whether that's on, you know, like you think of traditional like Best Buy or some, you know, rent to own partners. And those, those organizations are facing unprecedented demand just like our members are. And they're going and saying, hey, I don't care if you have five pieces of this, six pieces of this, I will take your entire stock of inventory and anything you have coming in for the next two or three months. And kudos to our distribution partners. They're, you know, they are protecting and continue to hedge inventory for the independent channel. And again, that's one of our core companies and our strengths. So securing inventory, um, but also, following up with deeper promotions uh, than we've ever had before. So we, you know, there's a, there's a tendency, I think, for some retailers to look at, well, I can't guarantee how much business and inventory I'm going to have. So I need to pull back on digital marketing. And I, I got to tell you, that's the absolute wrong mindset to do. Not only are their, their, their national competitors not doing it, they're leaning in more in the digital and marketing space. And so we have to help the members and we have a responsibility to make it easy for them. So, you know, Last year, we had a one-to-one -one match or two-to-one match for advertising campaigns. This year, we're doing three-to-one match. You know, we're paying for members that migrate from their existing website to a nationwide platform because Google and, you know, our top manufacturer partners are giving us, you know, incremental dollars to help fund promotions because our, what we're doing works. And that's, that's the point of it. Um, what, what we're doing works, what other people are doing isn't. That's why we're getting preferential allocation. That's why we're getting incremental marketing dollars. And so it's really, you know, two sides of the same coin. We have to help the members have inventory and we have to help them drive bodies into their store to buy. Um, and so that's what we're just hyper-focused on those two things over the next three months. And then as we pivot to the back half of the year, we'll still have the, you know, that hyper-focus on inventory, but also, you know, having show specials um, and bringing back prime time and cashbacks and to the level that they were three years ago where there wasn't the scarcity of inventory. So right. um, that, that's what we're focused on right now. Now, a lot, obviously a lot of great stuff and, uh, you know, always cool to hear on the distribution partner side that, you know, they understand the importance of this channel and they're not going to let um, some big names out there try to bully this space into not having access to the product that they need to, 
you know, be able to sustain their business and, um, you know, need to see us working with them and obviously working on behalf of, of members to make sure that, you know, everything's set up for them to succeed. So uh, kudos to you and your team and making sure, um, you know, these guys have their fair shake, you know, on the, on the product side and on being able to sell through side. So um, awesome stuff. What's pivoting a little bit, you know, what, this, this past year was kind of interesting just to follow along. You know, we've had chats with um, Google and, and other brands just to, to see how things kind of ebbed and flowed from a product perspective throughout, you know, the, the past 12 months. Um, you know, were, were there any areas of the business that kind of, you know, not necessarily were boosted by a pandemic? Because, I you know, weird to think that a, a product line would be boosted by a pandemic, but, you know, that, that had more of an opportunity because people were at home, you know, was there anything that sort of stood out to you, um, you know, from that product perspective over, over these past, you know, months and uh, during, during this interesting time we've been living through? Yeah, it's fascinating. Like I said, I think we're going to be studying this period of time in American history for, for decades to come, you know, two things that stuck out on my mind. And I think you saw it across, again, all of our core competency categories, people are just spending so much more time in their house and they're evaluating the quality of their life and how the consumer products in their house they interact with affect the quality of their life, whether that's, you know, they they start cooking a lot more. So they want a different stove or they wanted a bigger refrigerator because they don't want to go out so much and potentially expose themselves to, you know, viruses or, you know, different things. We saw the same type of behavior in the consumer electronics industry, we, we just saw it manifest in a little bit different way. So we saw um, hyper expansion of screen sizes that are, I would say 55, 40, 40 to 55 inches. And when we dug through the data, what we found is, you know, homes that had one or two main TVs, well, everybody's home, they wanna watch TV at the same time, so they wanna spread out. Laptops exploded because everybody needed to be online at the same time. We also saw a massive expansion of of our AT&T partnership because, you know, when there's six people at home or four people at home trying to use the internet at the same time, just that's one of the most frustrating things in my life when the internet goes down or it's slow or you can't load something. And so we saw a huge demand for that. Um, one of the categories that surprised me a little bit was, was home audio, not only because it was one of the most heavily impacted uh, from a manufacturing and, and supply chain allocation side, but just the, the crazy demand where, really the industry had migrated to these home theater to box all in one setups over the last few years, or even really, you know, inexpensive sound bars think, you know, $400 right. and below we've seen a, almost a Renaissance return to uh, surrounds and separates AV receivers, you know, 5.1 channel system. Adobe's done a lot to do consumer education with Atmos and some of the other yep. things that yep. consumers may be familiar with. Some of our members may be familiar with, uh, but that category has exploded. We've seen members returning to multi-channel audio, to separates and surrounds, uh, in a way that I haven't seen, looking historically at data at least, that we haven't seen in you know four or five years. So that was really interesting. Um, home automation, not really surprising, but um, just the level that it grew. You know, everybody wants security cameras, they want thermostats, um, because the other the other thing that we noticed too during the pandemic is just a lot of a large focus on budget. And so having smart devices in their home, like a Nest thermostat that is going to help them save potentially hundreds of dollars a year on energy costs, um, it, just a lot of that stuff. So like I said, it's the whole thing is fascinating and we're going to be, we're going to be learning things about this year in American history for, for a long time to come. Yeah, for sure. And the audio side kind of, uh, even on the video side, you know, expanding screen sizes, that's always been a thing, but the, the audio thing is interesting because 
you think people weren't able to go to movie theaters. So it's all of a sudden trying to bring that experience home. And uh, you're not in a, uh, a movie theater with just, you know, 32 dot like seven surround sound systems around you. So, you know, they want to bring at least a piece of that home. So uh, expanding that experience in, in turn in your home, um, obviously, you know, you think about it that way, that's probably had something to do with it. Wanting to bring that movie uh, theater experience to, to one's home. So um, sure. cool to see that, but, what about now kind of pivoting and looking ahead? Is there any areas now that are getting more of a focus today or, you know, in, as we head into the back half of the year, are, are things sort of, are you still seeing those same trends, um, you know, in those same categories? Is there anything new that retailers need to be focusing on in the CE space? Yeah, I would say the category trends will continue for the time being. Really what the membership and independent retailers should take away from this is that consumers are more willing to have a conversation and be open to discussing things uh, than they may have been in the past. You know, when I go and I um, secret shop Best Buy or different retailers on the weekends, the interactions have just fundamentally changed. You know, in the past, um, I grew up on a retail sales floor. Um, it was audio was kind of the last thing you would talk about, depending on how you would qualify a customer. And a lot of times, especially in um, in national stores where they don't have a commission sales floor, directed sales floor, it's more of clerking than it is a real true yeah. sales experience. Um, that's why you've seen ASPs and audio just absolutely crash. So for audio as an example, I think now, now is a time for members and retailers to start thinking about that category in a way they haven't before because consumers are, they understand they're spending more time. They understand that there is a value you know, audio is an emotional experience where TV is very visual. Audio is really what drives the emotion. Um, I could do a two-channel demo for you right now, but the, the point is that consumers are, are just thinking differently about their purchases, thinking about how they're going to interact with the product. And so they're more open-minded than they have been in the past. So if you have a directed sales floor that can sell audio, that can sell other products, especially warranty, warranty is an area that I think every consumer in the United States understands the power of a warranty because for those who went through warranty or repairs during the pandemic, whether it was a shortage of parts or labor, um, you know, we should be we should be capitalizing on that as independent, you know, independent dealers in the network, you know, talking about different solutions for their life. So for for members, it's just thinking about their business a little bit differently, maybe bringing in some categories that they've gotten away from, going a little bit deeper into other categories that they than they have in the past, but then also just making sure that, you know, the staples of warranty and service are forefront in the minds of their salespeople. And also you, you think a massive opportunity too. There's a lot of pent up demand um, to get back out into stores. So buttoning up those in-store experiences, I, you know, I know stores have been open and um, we've, we've seen appointment retailing and some stores have been able to act, you know, allow customers and foot traffic and things like that. But uh, you know, there's still a lot of hesitancy, but as vaccine gets out there and more arms are, are jabbed, you know, people are going to be out and about and wanting to get those in-store demos and, and get back into that in-person shopping. So i uh, got to imagine a lot of opportunity as we head into this this back half of 21. Yeah, I saw a really interesting study. And the only thing I'll add to that is um, at age when the pandemic started, they they did a study and they said that almost 80 percent of consumers were not excited about going back and in-store. And so that's why, you know, if you've seen and you watch the group, we've been talking about digital, digital, digital for the last, I don't know, several years, but certainly accelerated over the pandemic. Um, we're not going to stop because that is that is where retail is at. That's where consumers go. And we've got the best solution in the market. Um, but 
they did that at age did that same survey again and that number has dropped considerably so now only about 40 percent of consumers do not want to go back and shop and so i think you're right consumers are going to be returning to our member stores some are still going to shop digitally because that's where they are and i think that shift is sure. is is at a macro level never going to you know we're not going to we've we've shifted so much business online it's never going to go back to the way it was but there's still a subset of customers, me being one of them, that loves going in and touching and feeling and getting that emotional connection to product. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a great, great fourth quarter for our members. Yeah, and uh, just one more number to throw out there. And I know you know mall traffic is a little different than in-store retail traffic, but uh, uh, Wall Street Journal I know had a number year over year mall traffic was up 85% at some like 150 major malls they were looking at um i know you know march and april last year to march and april this year obviously uh started the pandemic when things were completely locked down so when things have been eased but you know just that 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 percentage of an increase shows that there is certainly a demand to at least get outside of the home in some form or fashion so (laughs) i'll raise my hand i've gone to the mall during the pandemic just to go and walk around like i you know (laughs) in our in our family like i am I, I hate them all. I never like going to the mall. I don't like being around big crowds. Um, but I, there's been a number of times where I volunteered to take my girls out to go shopping. And my wife just kind of looks at me. I'm like, I got to go. I got to get out. Yeah, exactly. So I, I get it. Um, you know, people want to get out there. They're tired of being cooped up. They want to do it safely. Um, and I think that we're fast approaching a, a time when they can do that. And, and I know our members are going to be ready to welcome them back in. Absolutely. And uh, now I look forward to it. And of course, look forward to getting back in person here soon at, at prime time. So I know a lot to look forward to this August and uh, catching up with you guys. And um, no, I, I appreciate it. So Mr. Lee McDonald, our, our VP of CE, um, you know, appreciate your time. And uh, like I said, look forward to catching up soon. Yeah, absolutely. See everybody in, uh, in Tennessee. And a huge thanks again to Lee for taking time out of his day and sharing his knowledge and research and everything he's done to uh, be a chipset expert uh, for Nationwide Marketing Group. So uh, a lot of interesting ins and outs of that category and of that news, uh, you know, with with what's going on with semiconductors and and chipsets here in the CE space. So uh, very interesting to follow. We'll continue to do that, of course, and share, you know, what we can when we can. So, but until then, you know, appreciate Lee taking his time and as always appreciate you listening to the Independent Thinking Podcast and we will catch you next time.